Thank you for uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the book of Acts. We uh, come and ask you tonight to teach us by the Holy Spirit. Stir us up, Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Present day, faithfulness in your church. Lord, live in these things out. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew, i got to catch my breath. I, I might be able to, to run, but then i got to pray. So, All right, so tonight... Um, we continue our study through the book of Acts, and we're picking up in verse 9, where we left off last week. Um, now, one of the things we're looking for as we study through the book of Acts is we're looking for the, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you did this uh, last week. Uh, I think I suggested it. I don't know if anybody follows my suggestions, but uh, did you look for the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke? Did you go into the book of Luke, the gospel the same writer who wrote the book of Acts, and did you look for the, for the present working of the Holy Spirit through the gospel according to Luke? Anybody do that? Sam? You did not. Did I mention it last week? Am I just imagining this? All right. All right, so let's do that. So find your way to the gospel of Luke. That's in the New Testament uh, Chris Brady, now that you're 10, you know that? All right, very good. So the Gospel of Luke, the work of the Holy Spirit. How far do you get in before you find out about the Holy Spirit and the Gospel according to Luke? So here we are. All right, Jim, you tracking with me okay? You hearing me all right? <clears throat> All right. Anybody find the first reference to the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Luke? Chris, I have to chase you down? Okay, I'm very good. All right. Anybody else want to make a break for it? Verse 2, Verse two what's it say? So where's the Holy Spirit? The word. Well, that's the word, right? Where's the Holy Spirit show up? Verse 15. All right, so Luke 1.15 describes in reference unto the witness and testimony of John the Baptist or John the Baptizer when he's in the womb. It says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall, and shall uh, drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Down two verses. He will also go before him, right, before Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. So you got the work there of the Holy Spirit referenced in the likeness of Elijah. Be at present work with, with uh, John. Where do we go from there? Where else do you see the Holy Spirit at work? Anybody got the next one? Somebody's got to have a search engine on their, on their digital Bible that tells them the next references of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel according to Luke. Thirty-five. Is that the old-fashioned way on paper? On paper. You know your Bible, sir. Yeah, you do. I know you do. Thirty-five. 
All right, so Luke 135. I wasn't calling you old fashioned. <laughs> Luke 135. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, what's Luke recording? Luke is recording in his gospel the present working power of the Holy Spirit on the life of John the Baptist and also the work of the Holy Spirit in reference to the work that it was the Holy Spirit upon Elijah, if you catch that, describing that it would be the Holy Spirit that would come upon Mary for her to to really receive the life of Jesus into her womb. I mean, that's really how overshadowed is. All right, who's got the next reference? Me, verse 41. 41. Tally and Chris, nailed it. All right, so look at 141. And it happened while Elizabeth heard that greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And look at that. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I have no idea, ladies, I one, not even to like relating to like, what it is to have a baby inside you, right? But what about this, that the baby inside you is filled with the Holy Spirit? That's, that's the reference to both John and Jesus, that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And so when Mary shows up, again, Holy Spirit's upon her, Jesus within, that, that John the Baptist leaps and in such a way, and immediately Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see how Luke is recording this? this? These are amazing things. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she prophesies. Okay, where's the next one? Who's got the next reference? Which one? 67? So then Zechariah gets filled with the Holy Spirit, his father filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, excellent. And then what's the next one? How about 180? I-80? That does not cut through somewhere. I-80? 180? <coughs> so the child grew and became strong in spirit. And then what's the other one? 225? Who had that one? You, Zoe? I did. That was mine. That's my daughter. She had that one. It's hers. <laughs> she takes after her mother. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's another way for saying waiting for the comforter, right? Waiting for the Messiah to come. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 27, he came by the Spirit. I mean, you, you see this guy? He's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's upon him. The Holy Spirit is revealing to him, and then the Holy Spirit is leading him. So he shows up on that day, on the day 
when Jesus is to be named. An incredible day. Next one, who's got that? Everybody gives up. 316? 240. What do you think of that one in 240? The child grew and became strong in spirit. Same reference as 180, right? So the reference there, 316. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, we'll, we'll jump away from that now because, um, well, have you, have you done this? Where's the Holy Spirit in, in Matthew's account of the gospel? Where's the Holy Spirit in Mark's account of the gospel? Where is the Holy Spirit in John's account of the gospel? So you guys showed me that you can search one book. Okay. Now, where's the Holy Spirit show up in Matthew? Mark and John. Any references to the Holy Spirit being upon any of the witnesses like Luke recorded? What's it say there? Okay, so in reference to Mary uh, carrying the baby Jesus, okay, that was Matthew 128. Any other ones? What's Mark 1.8? What's that say? Okay, so same reference we just left off with in Luke. Matthew 4.1, spirit driving him out into the wilderness, or the spirit coming upon him at, at the water baptism. Wilderness. Led by the spirit out into the wilderness. What do you got? Wait, what's, what's this? Abby, would you like to talk? What'd you find? 120, what's it say? It says, Awesome. Awesome reference. All right. Now, do you guys notice what Luke did compared to all the other accounts of the gospel? Luke gave record of how the Holy Spirit bore witness. The witness of the Holy Spirit that surrounded the things that were occurring in the miraculous prediction birth uh, of Jesus Christ concerning John the baptizer. But who else has the record of Simeon and Anna and Elizabeth prophesying? Luke records Mary prophesies. Right? Anna prophesies. Even though there's no reference to that Holy Spirit work, she comes in and and she's thankful, and and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, on the way to the book of Acts, right? Acts 1.8, right where we left off before. And we'll pick up right there, and I'll get there. Chapter 1. 
Sherry, does he need some sort of correction? Do we need to send one of the ushers over to that row? That's it. All right, Ron, take care of him. We can't have that type of behavior in, in church here. Acts 1.8. Now, you shall receive power. Again, I'll say it in the King James. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Okay? So I, I, the more that I, I come to this place that I would want you all to understand, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, I present unto you what Luke is, what Luke is writing in his gospel, even though it's his first, it's his first record, right? His first writing, he wrote his gospel first. He writes the book of Acts second, but I remind you, he lived out the book of Acts first. Now, why is that an important understanding for us? Here we are many years later. We, we, if, we, if we think about this, our desire is not to go back in history and live out the book of Acts, but to actually experience what it is to have the present working the workings and teachings of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That's where Luke starts his second record, the book of Acts. Of all the things that Jesus both began to do and to teach, how it was that through the Holy Spirit, that continuing working and teaching was to be ongoing into into the world through the people who were Spirit-filled. So when he goes back, what does he identify more than all the other writers of the Gospels? It was the Holy Spirit upon Elizabeth. Zechariah, Holy Spirit comes upon him, he prophesies. What are they witnessing? They're they're witnessing Jesus. Mary prophesying. And and that dream of Joseph. I mean, these are the things that that we have. And so when I say it that way, we should full-on expect that the working of of Jesus would continue in his church through the power of the Spirit upon our lives to bear witness. Now, I, you you want to try to identify the gift of the Holy Spirit that Elizabeth has when she prophesies? She has prophecy, right? She's not sitting there and thinking, well, Lord, can I have this gift? What is this gift? How do I use this gift? Like we are, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon her and she prophesies. When, when you read through the book of Acts, the work of the Holy Spirit comes upon the people. Acts 2, we'll get to it. Nobody there is wondering, did I operate in the tongues correctly? Right? It's not till later that there has to be a correction at the church of Corinth. In the beginning, there was, there was none of that. It was the Holy Spirit who came upon them, and these things took place that way. Now, you might expect, and again, this is where this goes tonight, you might expect that as you emphasize the Holy Spirit, you must sacrifice the Word of God. Right? Isn't that what churches have done? We're going to do it one way or the other. Well, in Acts 1.9... When he had spoken these things, what things? He just spoke to them about that work of the Holy Spirit upon them to be witnesses as they would go out into all parts of the world. And then as he is speaking those things, they're watching. He's taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now when Luke records this in his gospel, they're, they're out past the Mount of Olives and they're as far as Bethany and Jesus is lifting up his hands and blessing his disciples And he just lifts up into heaven. That's the way they saw him go. 
They saw their Lord, who they walked with. They've seen him crucified. They all, they all saw him dead. And then they all saw him resurrected. And so there's this natural witness that, that they have seen. And a cloud receives them out of their sight. What kind of cloud? Well, what kind of? Shekinah. Very good. Like, what kind of cloud is that? I, I, I believe, and, and I don't know if you're intrigued as I am, Moses was meeting with the Lord in a cloud. And that, that the cloud of the presence of God upon the tabernacle. And, and not always when things were good. And there were times when the glory of the Lord appeared as that cloud above the tabernacle. And, and they, when they initiated or consecrated that tabernacle, they couldn't even go into the tabernacle because of the presence of the Lord in, in the Shekinah glory, the cloud, the Shekinah cloud, and, and that was visible, visible for the children of Israel that, that God was there. And it's important, I think, as we get into this, that, that Jesus being received up out of their sight into the cloud, and they, they continue to look steadfastly toward heaven, he went up, and then two men stood by and said to them, why are you still looking up in the air? That's my paraphrase. They, they're looking steadfastly. These men are standing by in white apparel, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Now, I mean, you, you see how they called them, right? Men of Galilee. Strange name to call them. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in the like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, many things could be said or little could be said concerning one of the most wonderful truths of, of the scriptures that Luke, Luke just simply gives in historical passing. Jesus ascended into heaven with one most wonderful truth. Right? He's coming back. And in the way that he is coming back is clear. <coughs> he will come in the same like manner. Now, when you read and study and you have your scriptures and you're, and you're looking at this and you come to 1 Thessalonians and you hear about this catching away and how it is. Right now, I don't think anything's going to help with this voice today. Unless, what are you drinking? Maybe that'll do it. Grapefruit juice? Oh, raspberry, okay. All right. I'm good. I'll just, I'll just work through it. Uh, when you come to that place of the rapture of the church, and it says that Jesus meets in the air, right? We, he never comes. That's not the second coming of Jesus, right? When you think of the way this is, that's his appearing in the clouds to catch up the church. The second coming happens, and he returns in that manner that he went. He will come and he'll touch foot down somewhere over there, Mount of Olives, as far as Bethany, and he'll set his foot down in the way that he went up to heaven. He will return in like manner. Turns out the Jehovah's Witnesses and the changing of all their doctrines and beliefs and practices and things, they, they had a few, they had a little trouble. They're, they have more than 144,000 now. So the, in the beginning, they said, we're the 144,000 till their number went over. And now they have the original 144,000. And their doctrines, crazy doctrines, but the reason why I say it here, they teach that Jesus came back as in a secret chamber, that he didn't have a visible second coming. I'm going to stick with the book of Acts. 
right? Now, as the Holy Spirit lays this out for us, right, we believe that all these scriptures are inspired by the Spirit of God. And Luke takes special note unto the work of the Holy Spirit in this only book of history in all the New Testament, and they're exhorted and encouraged and promised that you don't need to sit there and keep looking up for Jesus. Now, we, we saw a rocket launch. I'll, I'll bring this up. We were on the beach, right, February on the beach. It was 30 below here, and we were 75 degrees on the beach in Florida. That, what, what was it? It was beautiful. We watched a rocket launch on that Monday morning when we were there. And we're 15 miles away, and you get to hear and then see this, you know, this rocket just shoot up in the air, bright, shining light, and you're watching it go up. And the next thing you know, it hits second stage, not too far above the earth, and then it engages in that second stage. And from that point forward, you, you really hear it, and, but then that thing starts to just fly. And, and it's a matter of probably two minutes, and you can no longer see that rocket. Now, Jesus received up into the clouds, and yet all the people on the beach are still, what, gazing up, looking to see where the rocket went and see if you can see it anymore. And, and no, Jesus didn't shoot up off the earth like a rocket. But you, you get, like, I mean, it's an absolutely amazing thing. The ascension is not talked about very much. Jesus rising to go into heaven, every, he told him he would go, and, and we believe where he is, and all this is foundational to, to what we hold to be true, that he's alive and he's, he's coming back. Now, in this work of the Holy Spirit, as we get our attention onto this work, they return from Jerusalem and um, to Jerusalem from Olivet. It doesn't say Jesus left from the Mount of Olives, but where he had left, they, they came to the Mount of Olives, and then they returned back a Sabbath day journey. Now, you just you, the truth that's there. There are rules, according to the rabbis, how far you can travel on a Sabbath before it's called work. Okay? Even in Jesus' day, so I wouldn't be too surprised that in that way, they, they couldn't travel all that at one time, lest they would have broken the Sabbath. And so by the time they're coming back, the Sabbath day's journey, and they come back and they go to the upper room. Now, 13 says they, they entered, they went into the upper room. Now, I've been to the upper room that they tell us is the upper room, but I've also been to the four empty tombs that they tell us this is the empty tomb. Okay? We don't know for sure where the upper room is. And, and it's intriguing to consider, which, which uh, I think it's uh, G. Campbell Morgan, and I don't know if he was the original, but, but he references this upper room could have actually been in the temple. That they believe that one of the places where they may have been meeting was in the, one of the upper rooms of the, of the temple itself, and he takes he references Luke. They were they were daily and continually in the temple praising and glorifying God. Luke twenty four, I think fifty, right around that forty eight forty nine fifty, right in there. And and this reference that that they were there, and it names the eleven that are left. Obviously Judas is not amongst the twelve, and the same names, the same twelve. They all made it through the eleven out of the twelve, and they're in the upper room. Now you look at fourteen. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So that's what they're doing. Now, why are they there? Well, Jesus said what? Wait. Wait in Jerusalem. You shall be endued with power from on high. That's what the Gospel of Luke records. Luke began with the Holy Spirit upon those who bore witness to Jesus, who he was. I mean, 
the the words that were prophesied at his at his birth and at his naming and then he records a most wonderful thing that when Jesus goes back he is going to endue that same power upon his apostles when he goes to heaven now Elijah Elisha remember remember Elijah after that great victory of of calling down fire from heaven and the witness, I mean, he, one witness, he says unto the people, the, the children of Israel, northern kingdom, he says, why do you, like a bird, bounce back and forth on a limb between two opinions? The Lord is God. Baal is God. The Lord is God. And like, they, they would worship Baal. They'd worship the Lord. And he's praying it doesn't rain, so their prayers are going up to Lord Baal for rain. And he's like, and, and then they would pray to the Lord God for rain, and, and he finally just, there comes a day when the Lord says, now's the day. And, and he calls down fire from heaven and has great victory over, over the false prophets. And the people are crying out and bearing witness to the truth. The Lord. So Yahweh, Y-H-W-H is God. Great witness and power. And then Jezzy sends him an email. Or maybe Jezzy wrote on his Facebook page. Whatever she, however she got that message to him and says what? Jezebel says, so help me. If you are not like all those prophets you just killed by the end of the day, and he runs, and he flees, and he goes, and he's out in the wilderness, and he and he falls asleep, and he he's running, and then and then the angel wakes him up, and he feeds and eats, and then he goes on that strength of that food that the angel gave him for forty days and forty nights ends up in the cave, and the Lord, you know, it, it thunders, it, it the fire, the wind, and the Lord's not in that, but the still small voice that then that God speaks to Elijah. And he gives them three things to do. Anoint this king, anoint that king, right? Two kings to anoint, one in Syria, one in the northern kingdom. And then anoint Elisha to take your place. He goes out and he does them in that opposite reverse order, if you ever look at it. He finds Elisha, takes his mantle, right? Elisha slaughters the, the oxen. You know, that he... He leaves his work, follows him, and in the day that Elijah goes up, remember all the prophets saying to Elisha, they're gonna, the, the Lord had, the Holy Spirit had shown them, Elijah's going, gonna t- be taken from you today. Elisha says, I know, be quiet about it. Can you imagine, like all day long, you have one day left with, with Elijah. Of all the working and power that Elijah did, Elisha's got one day left, and everywhere he goes, all the other prophets are saying, this is the last day. And he, and he walks that whole day. And then Elijah finally says to Elisha, what do you want? Right? What do you want? And he asks for a double portion of the Spirit. Elijah says to him, if you see, right, if you see me taken, right, you ask, you ask a difficult thing. And I, I, who knows what that really means in the spiritual realm? Elijah knows. And you know how it works out that Elisha's carried away, right? Chariot of fire separates him. He goes to heaven in a whirlwind. And then Elisha picks up the mantle, goes back to the river, which Elijah had just parted. And, and he takes that mantle of Elijah and says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And with that mantle, he then opens up the river crosses back over to the other side. And then you can read and study, and 
you can count the miracles by the Spirit of God that Elijah does, and guess who does twice as many? Elisha. Now, why are we on this rabbit trail? I have no idea. Other than to show you that the Holy Spirit's been at work in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's there in creation, okay? The Holy Spirit is upon those witnesses as Jesus is being born, John the baptizer, okay? Holy Spirit upon Elijah, Holy Spirit upon Elisha. So then what's different about the baptism with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts? Is there anything different? Now, as we come to this, the promise was Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire. It is offered unto, and we'll get to this study. Somebody should answer the door, see if everybody's okay. We're all right. This work of the Holy Spirit upon the believers, this, this which is coming and which we see this taking place, they are all in one place in one accord. The word they're one accord. So don't twist yourself into a pretzel to get the baptism with the Holy Spirit, okay? Don't twist yourself into, if I just live a holy life, then God is obligated to give me the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If I don't, if I don't watch any movies, if I don't do any of these things, whatever we can convince ourselves that somehow the baptism with the Holy Spirit is only for those who live holy lives. This working and promise and working of the Holy Spirit is available to all believers who have been born of Jesus because he, when he went to heaven, he left a promise that the Holy Spirit would be given. John 7, the Holy Spirit would be in you, rivers of living water flowing from you. What, how else to describe that the Spirit of God within you would flow from your life so you'd have the life of Jesus in you by the Holy Spirit and then that life of Jesus would flow from your life. River. A river is a flow from one, from the source, to another place. We're not, we're not, we don't create the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Right? But what happened in the beginning is they were all together with the same passion. The word accord, again, we, we get accord out of the Latin. And so we hear the word chord and we think, oh, music. And so a lot of the English dictionaries actually end up defining the Latin word, which is the root for the English word accord. But the Greek word, the Greek word sounds more like a, a rushing along in unison. And that describes how they had, not that they're rushing in prayer, they're waiting. They're waiting, yet they're in one accord, that they're rushing along in unison. What type of waiting is that? The Lord said under the, for them to wait, and in that rushing along in unison, describes, again, it's a compound word. One of those root words is the same word to describe the more violent passions of anger, wrath, and indignation. So this is actually a strong word to describe the passion of that group to be at where they were at in prayer. Now, why is it? And I mean, who here studies and reads about revivals? They all have root in, if you will, passionate prayer. The same passion in prayer where a group gets together and they begin to cry out to the Lord for the work of the Holy Spirit. We should not be surprised to find what's in 14, that the, the apostles together with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, last mentioned here in the Bible, 
Four, four centuries later, she'll begin to be worshipped by the by the Roman Sea Church, right? But before that, that, I mean, this this true working, Mary and Jesus's brothers. So we know Jude and James. They they write they write Bible. There's brothers. We know about he has sisters. Mary's there. They're all there. They're all there on, on Pentecost. Do you realize Mary got filled with the Holy Spirit? She knew what it was to have the Spirit upon her in the way that she received Jesus, and then she knows the baptism with the Holy Spirit later on. Now, prayer, supplication, together with the brothers, rushing along in unison. I mean, study, if, you, if you're not convinced, right? Um, Chris, what's the guy's name who's done a lot of great research on, on revivals? His name doesn't come to my memory right now. Jadwin Orr. Now, he, for those of you who, like, you're doing the interns, Jadwin Orr, there's one, there's a teaching from him. He spoke to Calvary Chapel pastors. He's, he's in one of those. So see if you can find that up. And I think he's in one of those. And if I'm wrong, I'll find you the reference. But, okay. Jadwin Orr studied this, and all these are birthed in passionate prayer. Now, what happens when they're together? Fifteen. <coughs> Peter stands up with the eleven, and he starts to apply the scripture. Stood up with the, with the other disciples. How many are there? Again, Luke puts it in parentheses to tell us what happened in the beginning. You have the apostles. You have the the women who were traveling with Jesus. You have the brothers. You have Mary. You have 120 disciples. So in your view, when we get to Acts 2, do you only see 12 people receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit in your mind? Upper room, where they're staying together and praying together, this isn't some small house. And as they're doing that, this, this, this working of Peter standing up, and he exhorts and encourages them. And, and it's even this phrase, men and brethren. Okay, and as he, he begins to now speak to them over what the Holy Spirit has taught him in the Scriptures. Now, you, you can circle this enough for today to realize that what began in the beginning in prayer and the Holy Spirit teaching the Scriptures. And, and this is a fascinating study, and you can do it by a word search. Just look up the, the word, word, in the book of Acts and how prevalent the ministry of the word is in the entire book of Acts. But this is the only reference unto the Holy Spirit teaching and applying the scriptures in a prophetic sense. And, and Peter applies them here and identifies it was the Holy Spirit who spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He quotes two psalms. Peter identifies by the Holy Spirit that it was the Holy Spirit who spoke through this prophecy given to David, that those two psalms were actually about Judas who had, who had betrayed Jesus. Now, what do, we, what do we take with this? I full on expect that as, as we understand the scriptures, it'll be the Spirit who will give us this understanding. Peter gets the understanding. Now, watch what they do with this. So he identifies this. It was the Spirit who gave us the scriptures. He says it's the Spirit who gave this to, to and spoke through David. We should expect that, right? The Spirit can speak through any one of us in the room. Before I move on, just you have the scriptures. The Spirit can show you 
right? You, you understand what you're reading, and the Spirit can speak through you using any of the Scriptures. Very important. And he speaks up uh, concerning Judas, who was a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He was numbered with us, obtained a part in this ministry, and describing how Judas purchased a field. Now, you, you read your accounts, right? Judas did not purchase a field, but he did. So he didn't take his 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus to buy a field. Instead, he threw them back, and he threw that money back into the temple where he had made this deal to betray Jesus. Luke records it in this way, that through the wages of iniquity, he had purchased a field, and then falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of the field and his guts, right, his entrails, right? I, I love this. You know, I don't know how, boys, you got to love the Bible. I mean, his guts came out, right? And like, ew, girls are like, ew, what's that? And, and then you read the account, so it says, it says Judas hung himself, right? That's, And then it's like, yes. So what took place, I believe, as he threw the money back, is Judas went out and hung himself, and as he hung himself, that rope broke, and he falls upon the rocks, and his entrails, right, his guts come open, and all of that's true. And then that money that was thrown in there, they actually bought that field where, where Judas had done all that, and then it becomes a, a place again in 19, a field in their own language called Akeldama, which is a field of blood, and they bury the poor there from that point forward. Now, as Peter is describing what took place, and by the Holy Spirit, he says it was written in the book of Psalms concerning Judas, let his dwelling place be desolate and no man live in it, and let another take his office. Now, I think that was a great meme in the days of, was it when Obama became president and Christians were talking about this, that another should take his office? And anyway, I digress. But here it's applied correctly by the Holy Spirit. And as Peter does that, what happens next is Peter makes a suggestion. He says, of all these men who have gone with us from the beginning, they have accompanied all of the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So again, there's this clear understanding of the apostles. For some reason, they need 12. Peter, by the Spirit, says what? Judas needs to be replaced. He had an office. There were to be 12. And this clear understanding, even in the end, 12 apostles on the foundation of New Jerusalem. There's to be 12. And as he does this, time that he went out among us, he goes to that beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Where does he go back to? The day that Jesus is baptized in the water and the Spirit comes upon him. And from that day forward, the power of the Holy Spirit as he goes forth, up until the time that Jesus is resurrected from the dead and rises to heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in Jesus' life evident and the bearing of witness, <coughs> Peter stands up and says, we need another guy who's seen all that. Because if you look at eight, if you're going to be a witness and say you saw something, you want to say what? I saw it all. And that's what Peter says. So in doing so, beginning from the, the day of the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up, which again, it's a great way simply to describe you know, Jesus, if, if you ever read it, right? Jesus was never killed. Jesus died. Do you, you ever read that? 
He gave up the ghost. You do realize this. He never sinned in his body. And, and people often say, well, how do you kill the Son of God? That's what the scoffers say now. Well, you don't really, do you? They hung him on a tree, and he does what? Reaches that place in that where, where he, he gave up the ghost. And in doing so, then, when he's resurrected and the breath of life, he's, he's alive. And then the idea that he's taken up, uh, the, this place of him going into heaven and he's taken up from us, so one of these must become a witness of the resurrection. And you look at 23. They propose two. You know, it's, and it, I don't know if they're doing a marketing ploy or not. You know, usually when people market, they give you three choices because it's proven if you give people three choices, they will overspend. If you give them two choices, they'll almost always choose the lower one. Between two, I want to save money. To, but if you give them a third choice and you put it right between the two, They'll almost always overspend for the middle choice. It's not the, it's not the least. It's not, it's not the most. I shouldn't really have the most, but I, I, can, I can get that second one. Now, what do they do? They offer God two choices, and they offer Matthias, and that other guy, we don't even remember his name unless we would read it, Justice. So we find Joseph called Barsabbas, who is surnamed Justice, and Matthias. Well, guess what we hear after Matthias after this? The lot is cast. It falls upon Matthias. Look at their prayer. You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. And I think this is sometimes what we do. God, I will go wherever you want me to go between these two places. Lord, I will serve in either one of these two ministries. I, I mean, you, you start picking this out. And, and really, what we see here, before they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, they have the spirit, they have the scriptures, they have understanding. Luke records the whole thing, and they offer God two choices. Now, I don't know how many have continued in this practice, but this is the last record in the Bible of casting lots to discern the will of God. A very common practice then, under the Old Covenant, before Jesus came, a very common practice to discern the will of God. In fact, even the wisdom of Solomon says the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. But this is the last record of casting of lots. They offer the two to take part in this ministry. Right? Show which of these two you've chosen. They cast lots. It falls upon Matthias. They number him with the eleven. Now in saying that, from that point forward, after the Holy Spirit comes upon him in the very next chapter, biblical decision-making, right? the Holy Spirit revealing his will, that practice of casting lots is gone. Does that mean you should flip a coin to see God, where, you know, where do you want me to go? Or a pastor one time was deciding, you know, uh, of the offering that's coming in. How, how should he, how should he divide that up? He came up with this idea, and his prayer to the Lord was, Lord, I received this offering. That's come for you. And I'm going to throw it up into the air. And whatever comes back down will belong to me. (laughs) See, how quickly can we do what with what we want to do or will to do? And I just remind you, we're we're embarking now, I did this whole lead up, for us to see the working 
of the witness of the power of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God who were bearing witness to Jesus. The prophets bore witness to Jesus, right? All that's in place. But now from this point forward, we are going to see when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers, the Spirit of God from within releases the power of God at work into every area of life for those who go forth and their lives bear witness. They speak now with boldness. They're no longer casting lots. They're not, they're not flipping a coin to see what God's doing. They have the, the person and present and power and working of the Spirit of Jesus in their lives. How did Jesus discern the will of God? Well, he is God. He just knows. Well, he could have lived that way, but Philippians says that Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't go around and tell the apostles, well, I know it's coming. Like, I mean, I do that. I'm like, I know what's coming. I'm so excited because the Lord shows me what we're going to do. But Jesus never went around and said, I know what's going to happen today, guys. If you ever, you, you look at it, and this is how Jesus now describes the Spirit of God would be in the believers in that mighty working power of God. And through the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit would be given and, and we would know things to come. Now, where we're at tonight, okay, just right now in this moment, right, this, this understanding of what Jesus intended to do for the church and began in Acts 2 never should end. Okay? Just that, that simply put, if I could convince all of you that the outpouring that Joel prophesied about, that we'll bear witness to when we start studying Acts 2, that outpouring should never end. Its availability was promised unto those who were there and unto those who would believe from the, from the witness of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, those who believe the gospel. And that sets us to this place where, where I come to the scriptures and, and maybe your choice is this. We can talk about Justice Matthias, Justice Matthias. We can criticize the apostles. Hey, they cast lots. Hey, I, I don't criticize them. Will Matthias be one of the 12 on the foundation stones? I don't know that. But I do know that Paul was called an apostle and he bore witness to the witness of, unto the Gentiles. And very clearly, he was called by Jesus. It's all recorded for us. And we're going to find a lot of that in the book of Acts. I also know there were 12 tribes. There's 12 gates. The tribes are going to be named on those gates. But do you ever count them? Out of 12, you have 14. So the working, what if it's this work of the Holy Spirit where Matthias was an apostle and he's sent out and there's 12 and however you want to number them and name them, the apostle to the Gentiles is a part of the 12 and yet you'd say, well, Matthias, he's a part of the 12 too. Uh, all I'm saying is, I don't know. When we get there, it'll probably be us, us what is that, us, us critical German thinkers, right? <laughs> to blame my heritage instead of my personality. It's not my fault I'm this way. I want to know I want to know which one it was. I want to know which one it was. Now, we don't know that. 
But what we do know is the Spirit of God came upon all 120 that were there. And they spoke in tongues. The visible fire, the sound of the rushing mighty wind. Now, we're not going to try to replicate Pentecost. We're not going to look for a, hey, shake the building, we want, we want tongues of fire. Nor do we replicate and say, hey, we need, we need the gift of tongues to know that, that this has been the Holy Spirit. But we are going to give ourselves to the waiting upon God for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And with, with Gabby up here tonight and Zoe, music, and let's just take a time now and let's wait before the Lord for his Holy Spirit. We've come to learn and know that through prayer, okay, we studied it tonight, through passionate prayer, okay, rushing along in unison. And I don't know where you're at. I'm telling you where I'm at. And I'm, this is where I, when I come and sit down, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to fill us, to overflow our lives. And as we wait upon the Holy Spirit tonight, my passionate prayer is that God would fill up every one of your lives under that fullness of the baptism with the Holy Spirit for the releasing of the power of God through every area of your life. You would experience more love in your interactions with one another. You would experience a greater boldness when you're coming to these things that God has shown you in the Word of God. You would receive gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge. You would receive tongues and interpretation. I'm not separating that. Okay? You would receive gifts of healings and miracles. And remember, the book of Acts is 30 years long. I mean, I haven't even, I haven't even been serving God as long as the book of Acts took. I mean, just, just again, let those things kind of equate. Maybe you've seen things that was told that was the Holy Spirit, and then you don't want the Holy Spirit. I'm saying if we're in prayer tonight, our desires for the true Holy Spirit of God to come upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.